0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Shift Happens. I'm your host, Alana Brunell, and I'm joined here today by the fabulous Caroline Wong. Welcome to the podcast, Caroline. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Caroline, you have such an amazing background. I mean, I found you via Forbes article titled 15 Inspirational and Influential Female Tech Leaders Who Set an Example for All Professionals. Wow, that's quite the list to make. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes. And so I I think what I want to really get out of our conversation today is just, you know, kind of the steps you went through to make a list like this and maybe some inspiration that you got along the way, mentors that helped you out, and then some moves you made in your career that other people can maybe lean into. Great. Awesome. So tell me about your background. How did you even get into this space of cybersecurity and become the cybersecurity expert that you are?
1: You know, it actually started when I was a teenager. My immigrant father asked me what I wanted to study in college, and I said to him, I'd love to study dance or psychology. He then insisted that I study engineering, and so I attended UC Berkeley. I studied electrical engineering and computer science. The summer between my junior and senior year, I looked for an internship, um, and I happened to get an internship at eBay in IT project management. Nice. When I graduated, I reached out to my internship manager and I said, I would love if there's an opportunity to work here full time. And he said to me, Caroline, there's a hiring freeze in IT right now, but there is an entry level position on the information security team. Um, It was 2005. Um, eBay naturally had to comply with Socks as a public company. Um, the first version of PCI DSS was also released in 2004. Um, so I sort of got lucky and the rest
0: is history. Do you feel like this is like a position that even though you didn't expect it, it kind of just like came naturally to you and like maybe what parts of it ended up appealing to you?
1: So I focused the first half of my career on GRC and the second half on application security. I do think that for me, GRC was a really great place to start, particularly at a place like eBay where it was fairly mature. They literally handed me a 50 page document and said, here is our information security policy. Your job is to manage it. And so a lot of what I would do is I would meet with folks in the business, technologists, and they would have questions for me about the policy. Um, They would be requesting exceptions. um, And I would work with my team and my leadership basically to understand what I should say back to them. Um, After doing this time and time again, I began to notice some patterns. And so I think that in my case, it really sort of leveraged a combination of technical know-how, as well as kind of effective communication between different stakeholders.
0: No, I think that's like a wonderful journey. And a lot of people actually go through that, right? They get into something that they weren't quite expecting, especially in this tech landscape. And then it ends up being something that kind of sets the stage for the rest of their career. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the role that you're in right now. You're a chief security officer at Cobalt. How is it going?
1: So fun fact, it is CSO which in our field is often chief security officer at Cobalt, our CISO, our chief information security officer actually reports to me. I'm our chief strategy officer. Um, And it's a a super fun role. Um, I actually joined the company when it was just 10 people in 2016. And today I oversee all of our delivery operations, I oversee our strategic planning function. Um, I also oversee our internal security and IT. Um, so it is super fun uh,
0: and really broad. Yeah, you seem like you wear a lot of hats. Um, and I think when I was researching you, there was all of this talk around, you know, Caroline is this like pioneer of championing women in tech and Again, we have this conversation, right? I feel like you're just so much more than that. I feel like you go a step beyond just championing women, but also just being a leader in the space. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your leadership role right now um, and getting into your philosophy about leadership.
1: I think that like I am who I am and I can't help it. Like I am a female of color and like I didn't make any of those decisions. but like here I am. And one of the things that kind of turns out to be a side effect of the work I do, which the work I do is all about purpose and mission and impact. And the fact that I get to be a chief executive at a growing, successful cybersecurity company, and I happen to be a female of color, just is like, cool, you know, It, it just, I think, is a representation thing. Um, And I think that one of the things that's been really interesting to me about leadership, particularly in the last few years, earlier in my career, I went through a transition like maker, individual contributor to manager. And more recently, I've made the transition from manager of makers to leaders of managers and, in fact, leading like I have directors on my team. I have a vice president on my team. And so that is actually an entirely different type of leadership. Um, leading the str- the strategy function uh, for a company uh, is also an entirely different type of leadership um, mm. than I have uh, been able to do in past roles. So that's it's been it's been super fun. And I think for me, what I love the most about it is I get to learn every day. The other thing that is really core to my leadership philosophy is my direct reports are like a hundred times stronger in their subject matter areas than I am. They are the experts, not me. Um, and I strive to work with teams. Uh, and support teams and lead teams uh, who are much more skilled uh, than I am.
0: Yeah, I think too, like, when, you, when you're when you leading these teams of experts, you're also an expert yourself, right, in the field, and you have your book that just made the Secure- Cybersecurity Hall of Fame. Congratulations on that. Do you wanna talk a little bit about um, your LinkedIn learning courses and your recent book, Security Metrics? Yeah, so,
1: Security Metrics, A Beginner's Guide. You know, this for me was so exciting. Uh, I published it in 2011 with McGraw-Hill. In 2022, as you mentioned, it was inaugurated into the Cybersecurity Canon Hall of Fame. What that means, thank you so much, is it? it's sort of this timeless resource for cybersecurity professionals on the topic of metrics. Um, and for me, that's like, deeply meaningful. Fundamentally, I think that security practitioners are always trying to manage risk with limited resources. And so it's extremely important to try and use data to inform the decisions that we make and the actions that we take. Um, So, yeah, I also, you know, getting to be a teacher is also something that is super meaningful to me. Um, And today, one of the primary ways that I do that is by developing and recording courses on LinkedIn Learning. Um, So I've got one about security metrics. Actually, it basically contains information on everything I've learned, since the Security Metrics book was published in 2011, um, I also teach courses on the OWASP top 10, as well as general cybersecurity at work. I think that one of the things about the cybersecurity industry is fundamentally none of the concepts are that complicated. But sometimes we use like really silly words and we use them in ways that make no sense to anyone who's outside the industry and it is a personal goal of mine to try and just translate cyber speak into regular speak.
0: No, I think that's definitely where we relate. Like I again in our like previous conversation we were talking a little bit about like how I aspire to be someone that's like really like an, an expert in my industry, but there's a learning curve and we need people like you that are willing to like take a step back They're these big leaders and these high positions are willing to take a step back and be like, okay, how can I empower like the next wave of people that want to be educated in my space? So thank you for doing that. (laughs) Shifting gears, I also want to touch on something you said about you like being a teacher. Um, And I feel like, you know, we learn how to be a good teacher from other good teachers and mentors. Um, And you're very public about a mentor that was influential for you. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit about that.
1: I got my sort of big break at eBay on the global information security team when I began to work with Dave Cullinane. Dave had previously been the CISO at Washington Mutual. My security metrics book is dedicated to Dave. And one of the really important things that Dave taught me was the power of a network. I think that fundamentally something that I've really realized about leadership over the years is there's only so much that any one of us can get done. But if we are able to collaborate with others, then the potential impact, the potential improvement and progress that we can make is so much greater. And Dave taught me about this in a certain way. As a CISO, he always had a really open door policy when it came to cybersecurity vendors, which is a little bit unusual for CISOs. Um, The reason he had that approach is because he believed that the security vendors were experts in their particular area and that he could learn from them. And I've always thought about that. I've always thought, you know, I can develop whatever sort of reasonable level of expertise personally. But if I can leverage the expertise of others, then we all become that much stronger
0: something you said that reminded me i i was having a conversation with our ceo pankaj patel and he was talking about he was like alana always hire someone that's smarter than you and like it made me take a step back because i was like hmm, that's really interesting like yeah because you want someone that's able to actually not only bring so much to your organization but also like help educate you and make you look great in your role and i feel like that's really similar to what you're talking about
1: absolutely i think that At first blush, it's a little bit not intuitive. I think that the simple way of looking at it is to say, oh, if I'm going to manage or lead, then I need to be the top expert so that people can learn from me and so that I can teach them. When in reality, especially at more senior executive levels, your CEO is not going to be the best salesperson. He should actually not be the best engineer. He should have an ability to recruit and hire the best of the best who can then go and do their thing. Um, And I do think that at the most senior executive levels, it's not about knowing everything, which frankly is impossible. It's actually about being able to sort of orchestrate and get everyone who's super good at their thing working effectively together and all going in the same direction,
0: yeah, I think that's honestly like the perfect makeup for what makes a strong team. Um, and, and side taking a side step a little bit when you're approaching your leadership philosophy, is there anything that like you've done earlier in your like leadership roles that maybe now is a more seasoned leader, leading leaders that you maybe wouldn't do?
1: Yeah. You know, I am working with a new manager on my team. This person is in their transition from a maker to a first time manager role. And I can relate to one of the things that this person is kind of going through right now, which is to say... As makers, we can have extremely high expectations for ourselves. And we can also just make sure that we meet those expectations because if you're not quite there, you can always just like work an hour or two or three extra and you'll get there. But when you're overseeing a team, that methodology doesn't work. You actually can't personally figure out how to polish everything to your satisfaction. You actually have to inspire and motivate and set expectations and develop processes and create environments in which folks can do that for themselves um it's a little bit like kind of like teach a person to fish instead of like give a person a fish um and so i've always you know it's an interesting thing cuz at the same time as a leader you're still ultimately responsible and accountable. So you can't just let folks do whatever they're gonna do. It's still your responsibility to frequently check in, understand progress, understand what the blockers are, do what you can to support um, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I I just feel like so inspired from this conversation because You're not only talking about, right, like how you platform the leaders, but also like the other people within your organization. Right. Talking about maybe some of those soft skills, like having great communication and uh, being someone that is an expert in their field. So, Caroline, my final question, if you have any advice for someone like me that relates to you on so many levels of your background um, and how they can really make their impact um, in this tech landscape, Um, that would be great. Any advice you have. So here's a thing.
1: I used to think a lot about time management. What I like to focus on and what I recommend that folks learn to focus on is actually energy management. Because I've learned about myself that when I'm full of energy, I feel limitless, I feel creative, I can innovate, I can deliver my top quality work versus when I'm drained of energy, it actually doesn't matter how many hours I put into doing something, it's just gonna feel like it's not working. So what I recommend for folks is as you go throughout your day, try and pay attention to and acknowledge what are the things that you do that give you energy and try to do more of those things? And what are the things that you do that take your energy away and try and do less of those things? Now, when applied to growing in one's cybersecurity career, you know, cybersecurity is so multidimensional. There are so many directions in which you could choose to learn. And it is up to each of us to navigate the confusing landscape of what to learn about. There was a particular point in my career where I was like really trying to become a cryptography expert. Cryptography is super hard. It is really complicated and it's kind of like not my forte. So there's other stuff that I could go and do. I would say... Learn and learn and learn. And sometimes when you're learning, you're gonna come up against something and it's gonna be like really boring (laughs) or really hard. And when that happens, it's actually time to like choose something different. There is actually an opportunity for us to just do things that we'd like more. Like That can be kind
0: of scary though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what a concept, you know, uh, giving ourselves permission to notice what we like and don't like and then trying to do more of what we like. like. Me. If I'm trying to learn a new concept, there are options available to me. I could read a book. I could listen to a podcast. I could read a white paper or a blog. I could watch a YouTube video. And I happen to know that for me, I learn best when I'm listening to stuff on audio. So podcasts work really well for me. Yay, we're on a podcast. (laughs) The other thing for me is there are some great people who make really great YouTube educational videos. So instead of like trying and trying to like get through a textbook that's just not like working for me, I can just be like, oh, like this actually isn't working for me. Let me go try another thing. Another thing for me happens to be um, like when I'm reading text on a screen, it's like fine. But if I'm really trying to learn something, I'll go print it out, get a highlighter and just like be with the physical paper. I'm and that's for way. me, like the how way. it works better. So, you know, I think we all have an opportunity to always be learning. And as we're continuously learning to pay attention to what works for us and just like do that as much as we can.
0: That's such wonderful advice. I mean, I've never really heard about managing your energy output too, but that's something that's, you know, not really talked about a lot. So I I think that's great. This is just a side note that I'm thinking about. Can our listeners, like, if they're not, like, book readers, is there an audio version of your book?
1: You know, there isn't yet, and I probably shouldn't make one. But what I will say is the security metrics course on LinkedIn Learning is both video as well as audio. Um and I will I will post um an update on my LinkedIn where if anyone connects with me or follows me, then you'll be able to watch that course at no cost. You won't it won't require a LinkedIn Learning license to watch it. So, yeah, and actually that's kind of a fun new idea. Maybe I should like you know, do that, um, because that would be so much fun for me. um, And I do think that it might be useful for folks um, who happen to learn best in that way.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's also an excellent segue. Where can people keep up with you? You have an amazing podcast. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And yeah, where can folks follow you?
1: LinkedIn is the place to find me. You'll find stuff about the podcast, which is called Humans of Infosec. Um, You'll find information about my books and my writing um, and my courses. um, And I'd love to connect with folks. So um, if you're watching this podcast and something speaks to you, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me a note. Tell me something about yourself. I'd love to get to know you.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Caroline, for being on our podcast. Um, Folks, you can... Subscribe and listen in for the next episode of Shift Happens. Thank you so much.